0: a joy to be with you this morning and um, you know often the Apostle Paul starts his letters by thanking God for the church and what they've done for him and so I just want to say thank you to you because for the past year we had some struggles with cancer treatment and being away 2,000 miles away from family we have seen how God has used each and one of you in our lives and how we received his love and his grace and his mercy So I just want to say thank you, and even as I go through this internship, thank you to the pastors and leaders for pouring into me, and this opportunity to share with you God's Word, uh, what greater joy than to do that, right? So um, would you turn with me to John 3, 1 through 15, John 3, 1 through 15, and as you turn there, I want to start off by telling you a story. Um, About two years ago, I was uh, driving down in Detroit, I was coaching a baseball team, and I was picking up a young man in a pretty rough neighborhood, and, well, I made a wrong turn. And when I made this wrong turn, I found myself in this neighborhood where all of a sudden I was shocked. And I was shocked because everywhere I looked from my left to my right, for block after block, I saw pictures of abandoned and broken houses that looked like that. And me coming from Texas, I had never experienced that. So I was just really shocked and kind of moved by that. Fast forward to last year, I was uh, was talking to some friends from Detroit and Flint. And um, they were just really excited in our conversation about sharing with me this new movement that was taking place in downtown Flint and downtown Detroit. They called it the rebirth of Detroit and the rebirth of Flint downtown. And what they meant by that was that there was this movement of people moving into the city and buying these broken homes, these dark, void-of-life homes, and renewing them, buying them, completely constructing them, and making them new. And they were saying, Detroit is being reborn downtown. Flint downtown is being reborn. And I tell you this because today in our passage, we're going to see that the reality is that each one of us came into the world like that house. In the inside, we were destroyed and marred by sin, void of light, hope, and life, and full of darkness and evil. But we have a God that he loves his creation, and so he came in to do a new work, to rebirth human beings, to come and make you be born again. Go to the next picture. This is what Christ wants to do in your life. He wants to born you again so that now you are a house full of life, hope, and His grace by the presence of His Holy Spirit. And so we come to John 3, 1 through 15, where we're going to see a man who all his life he worked to clean up his house inside. But when he encounters the living God in the flesh, Christ Jesus, then he realizes he's missing something. And so he seeks him out. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus speaks to his heart directly. And he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that is a question we will see today. That is the statement that we will see that the Lord gives us. We must be born again. So I'm going to read the passage to you, and then for our time together, I want to give you the context briefly, or bring you into the story of Nicodemus and the Lord and what is going on there. Then I want to give you the main idea of this passage, what the Lord is saying to us today through his encounter with Nicodemus. Then I want to give you three realities that come out of that, and then end with how he points everything towards himself. You know, the Lord says that all scripture speaks about me. So, would you follow with me in John 3, 1 through 15. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, is Be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? Yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have sinned, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. And so as we read this passage, what jumps out at you, I hope, is the grace of Christ as he encounters a man who's been seeking his whole life to be a, to be in God's presence. Here we have a man, Nicodemus, who is the teacher of Israel who has kept the law of the Old Testament, who has worked his whole life to be in God's presence. A way to sum it up is Nicodemus has been looking for Yahweh his whole life, but he found him in Jesus when he entered in the flesh. And when he encountered him turning water into wine and cleansing the temple, he found Jesus. But then now he comes to Jesus And there's debate about why is he coming at night? Is it because he's scared that the other Pharisees would know about him? Or is it because he just really wants a one-on-one, on-block time with Jesus, just a time where he can actually go to this man who he thinks has the answers that he's been seeking his whole life? I tend to incline towards the letter. And as he comes to Jesus... You see that the Lord does not engage with him in a theological debate, but he speaks directly to his heart. Nicodemus, you must be born again. But then he says, what do you mean I must be born again? How can I do this? How can I enter my mother's womb a second time? The Lord says, you're not seeing, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you won't see. But again, truly, truly, that in the Greek means like the highest way of affirming something, almost as if I was screaming to my son Noah, no, don't touch the stove. Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter my kingdom. What was the answer to Nicodemus? Nicodemus, there's nothing you can do to enter into God's kingdom. How many of you added or worked in your birth? How many of you earned your birth? How many of you helped out your parents in your birth? If you raise your hand, let's talk afterwards. (laughs) But the reality is that none of us helped in our birth. All we did was receive it and experience it. That is a simple image that the Lord gives Nicodemus. Nicodemus, stop trying your whole life to enter my kingdom and to earn your way into my kingdom. Just be born again. And this is not something that you can do. This is only something you can experience and receive from me. Right? So that's the main idea of this passage. You must be born again to enter into God's kingdom. But this is not something that you or me can produce in our lives. This is something we can only receive and experience from God himself. Now, don't worry, because the Lord is going to tell us at the end how we experience this new birth. And I'm going to try to hold my tears back when I get you there. But this is the main idea here. You cannot work your way into the kingdom of God. No matter how much you serve others, no matter how much you do all sorts of good things, unless you are born again, you cannot enter his kingdom. You know, I used to work with a Japanese company as an engineer, and there I found uh, a lot of new things about their culture. One thing is they had this special name for... Those who were not pure blood Japanese. And one of my coworkers was half Japanese, half American. But all his life, he wanted to be recognized as a Japanese. And so he would speak Japanese, he would act Japanese, he would even try to think Japanese. He visited there. But he was never recognized as a true Japanese. Because his nature, he was not born of the Japanese descent. He was half Japanese, half American. In the same way, unless you are born of the spirit, and not just of the flesh and blood, unless you are born of the spirit of God, which we'll get to in a couple minutes, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Even if you look Christian, even if you talk Christian, even if you act like a Christian, Unless you are born again of the spirit of God, you cannot see the kingdom, nor can you enter the kingdom of God. But before we get there, I want to give you three realities that the Lord gives us. He begins to paint the picture for Nicodemus of what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. He says three things you receive, Nicodemus, when you have the new birth. And then at the end, he says, this is how you experience the new birth, Nicodemus. So the three things are this. Number one, you receive a new sight, a new sight. Number two is you receive a new membership, new membership. And number three is you receive a new nature. Speaking with number one, number one in verse three, you hear that Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Another way to say that is, when you are brought into the kingdom of God, when you're born again, you have a new sight. You see things that you didn't see before. If I may push this metaphor forward that the Lord gives us of a newborn baby, you know, uh, when my son was being born, uh, if I get this term right, the tri- trimester, the third trimester, uh, Cheryl, I used to come home and I would rub her belly in a specific place, and Noah would always kick there. So that was kind of my dad bonding time with my baby and Cheryl's belly. Well, I always longed to see what he would look like and what his face would look like and all sorts of things. Well, when he was born and I was handed Noah for the first time, and he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he saw his father's face for the first time. And then I saw him look around at the light and taking it all in. Man, I couldn't but just understand that this is what it's like when you are born again. You open your eyes for the first time and you see your father's face. You see the light. You see Jesus. You see God in his glory and in his beauty. Uh, I'm glad my son is young because I'm going to use him a lot. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just recently uh, he began playing soccer and I played soccer all my life. So I was like really excited to get him in a soccer team. And so I brought him in a soccer team. He had his first game, but there was one big issue there was a really nice playground right by the soccer field. <laughs> And so I brought him there, and he was really excited and ready to go play soccer. But as soon as he caught a glimpse of that playground, he made a run for that and said, bye, Papa, I'm going to play. (laughs) Why did I tell you this? Because when you are born again, before, the world used to be the most beautiful thing to you. And yourself and your goals and seeking after yourself used to be the most greatest and most beautiful and glorious thing you can think of. But when you're born again, you have new eyes, and now you see Jesus, and you see his glory, and you see his beauty, and you see his mercy, and his grace, and his compassion, and you want to make a run for him and leave that behind. Though it pulls you back, you are making a dash because that is the most glorious and beautiful thing now. It is Jesus Christ. As a theologian, Augustine says, your loves are reordered. But what you love the most now is Christ. You get a new sight. I love illustrations. And since as a young man, I, my hobby was to look at 3D pictures. Have you ever remember those 3D pictures? It was were just a flat color picture. Maybe for you, Gen X or Millennials, I might be ahead of your time. But I used to look at these pictures, and I would sit there and I would squint my eyes for like three, four minutes, and then all of a sudden, it, I think Pastor Daniel said there's a coin dropped, and boom, there was this amazing dinosaur or car popping out of that page. In the same way, this is the word we call the work of illumination of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you open the word of God and Christ and the grace of God and his gospel just begins to pop out at you in a way that it ministers and speaks to your heart like it had never done before. And now you believe and you love him. Like Peter says, even though you don't see him, you love him and you long for him and you know him. That is a new sight that you experience with the new birth. I guess the question for you today is, do you see the king? Are you born again, and do you see the king? Do you see his people, and do you see his kingdom in your life? And because you've seen him, do you long for him? As my son longed for that playground, do you long for Jesus? Do you long to be with his people? And do you long for his kingdom to reign on your life and on this world? Number two, you gain a new membership. Verse three continues there where Jesus says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Another way to say that is, when you are born again, you receive new membership. You are brought into a kingdom. Again, I'm going to use the analogy here that the Lord gives us and push it a little bit forward. When a baby is born, is he born into nothing? Is he born into a vacuum? Is he born into just, okay, you're born now, do life on your own? No. My son was born into a family the and Diego's, and the starters. Really? <laughs> the family. And being born into a family, he's giving the benefits of the family. There was relatives of Cheryl in Germany, of mine in Mexico, and in Texas, all over the world just longing to meet this new boy and embrace him and just bring him into this community. In the same way, when you're born into the kingdom of God, you're born into a family. You know, when I came to Christ, I was 26 years old. And I was Catholic, or my family was a Catholic tradition. We used to have uh, one of the highest priests from Mexico into our home. When I came and I told my family that I professed Christ and that I was going to get baptized, my family turned their back on me and they said, you no longer are part of our family. But let me tell you, in Christ, I was not lacking a spiritual father nor a spiritual mother, nor brothers or sisters who embraced me, who guided me, who nurtured me, and who walked with me as I sought to walk with the Lord. In the same way, you have been born again. You've been born into this family. You and me, we are brothers and sisters spiritually in the Lord, and we have the same father. And one day we will be in heaven together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. What a glorious thing. But you don't only get that. you You also get responsibilities. You know? My son doesn't have many, other than maybe learning how to go potty right now. <laughs> but we're all given responsibilities when it come into the kingdom of God. You've been enrolled by the Holy Spirit and gifted. And if at all, the, the number one responsibility is you are to proclaim his good news. You are to proclaim his good news. Now, I also want to share with you something that is on my heart about this passage. That is, when a new baby is born, what is the first thing they want to do? They want to hear him cry. Why? Because if he's crying, then he's a healthy baby and he's breathing. But there's some babies that don't come crying. There's some babies that need a lot of intensive care. And they need a lot of attention. In the same way, when you see a brother or sister in the Lord come in the new birth, Don't expect him to always come out crying healthy and running after Jesus. Some may come in need of a lot of nurturing because they've been in the brokenness of the world. The question to you is, are you committed to the king? Is your commitment and your deepest commitment first and foremost to this king that now you belong to his kingdom? Are you committed to his people? And are you committed to his rule in your life? And if you are, what does this look like in your life? Are you serving the king? As a member of a family, are you serving him? And the beautiful thing is that now you're a son and daughter. How many of you will stop loving your son if he doesn't cut the grass? None. We'll be upset. We'll be unpleased, but we love him. Are you serving his people? Are you committed in serving his people? And are you committed to expanding his rule on this earth? Because you have a new membership and a new site. Now we come to number three, a new nature, a new nature. We did hear that unless you are born of the water and the spirit and out of spiritual birth and not flesh, that you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Another way to say that is when you enter the kingdom of God, when you're born again, you receive a new nature. And I might step on some toes here because I'm not from Michigan. But the first thing that I was asked when I moved here was, what kind of hot dog did I like? What did I call Pepsi or Coke soda? Or? I think the, the most existential question I had to wrestle with was, am I MSU or U of M? <laughs> I went for Texas, but. <laughs> but I tell you that because if you, were, if you were born and raised and you were an MSU fan all your life, and you've been in the darkness, just kidding. You know? <laughs> But you've been an MSU fan, and you've been there your whole life. Can you even imagine to ever turn and be a fan of the other? No. You will always root for your team, unless there's something that happens that makes you completely new, that grabs you out of there, and you become a new creation and born into this, and now you love your <laughs> I tell you this because in Christ, the reality is that you were born in the kingdom of darkness and you loved your sin and you loved yourself, so did I. And you hated the things of God. You wanted to please yourself. Your struggle was not with sin, your struggle was with righteousness. But then Jesus comes and he does his new birth. And he brings you out of that kingdom and he puts you in the kingdom of light, where now you love God and you hate sin, even though you struggle with it. Now you struggle with sin and it's not God and his righteousness. Before over here, you were mastered by sin and his evil desires. Now you are mastered by Christ and his grace and his righteousness. And now you want to follow him. And, like Paul says, even though I do the things I do not want to do, oh, what a wretched man I am, but praise be to God for Jesus Christ. Right? Before you say, ah, oh, why does God get in my way? Now you say, God, help me do your way. That is a new nature. That is a new nature that you receive. Paul posted like this in Timothy. For he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Theologians are going to debate about what the washing there means. And in the passage in John 3. But everybody knows and understands that the indwelling and regeneration work of the Holy Spirit is a given and a must in the work of your new birth. You know, this new this theme of newness in this Gospel John is all over the place. Jesus says, Destroy this temple and I will build it up in three days. Then in chapter four, he meets a woman at the wall and he says, I am the Messiah. And the woman says, If you're the Messiah, where do I worship? My father says, I worship in this mountain, but you, Jews, say I worship in the temple. And Jesus says, but Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The temple in Israel was the place where God would dwell, and where the presence of God could be come into contact, so that you could worship Him. But now Jesus is making a new creation, where you don't need to go to a temple, because now you're going to become the temple in which He will indwell you, and the presence of God will be in there, so that you can worship Him in spirit and in truth. That is a new nature. You have received the Holy Spirit of God to come and indwell you. And you know his presence and you know him and you believe in him. That is a new nature. They're all combined and they're all intertwined. But the Lord breaks them down for us. There's a new site. There's a new membership. There's a new nature. And that, I think, begs the question from all of us, well, there's nothing I can do. To receive or to earn my way into God's kingdom, then what what must we do? What is our role in this? Well the reality is that God does everything. But here Jesus gives the answer to those who are seeking him and His kingdom. 14 through15. And Moses, it's almost as he saying Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him have eternal life. If you're familiar with this story in the Old Testament, Nicodemus was, he was the teacher of Israel. In the Old Testament, Israel was walking with Yahweh, with God, but then they turned from him. And so God, in his righteousness and in his holiness, he brought down judgment by bringing down poisonous snakes to bite them. And as they were dying from the snake poison, laying there helpless, unable to heal themselves, unable to save themselves, unable to stop the death that was coming for them, they cried out to God for mercy. And the Lord responded in his grace. And he says, Moses, you take a serpent pole and you lift it up. And whoever looks up at that pole, they will be healed. And they will receive forgiveness. Now Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he looks at me and he looks at you and he says, you want to be born again? You're dying, poisoned by sin and helpless. But I have come to be lifted up for you and nailed to a cross and receive the wrath of the father. So that if you look at me and that word look is look and repent of your sin and believe in me, you will receive healing and redemption from me because I am being lifted up for you. What God lifts himself up on a cross to take on your punishment and wrath so that you will be healed? Only Christ. That's how you experience the new birth. When you are able to look at him lifted up on the cross for you and you receive his forgiveness and his healing, that's when you know you have been born again. If you don't know Christ my praise that you will look at him lifted up for you today. No matter where you're at, he will bring healing to you. He will bring redemption to you. And he will bring you into a new side, new membership, and a new nature. Because God so loved the world is a passage after this. That he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it through him. And if you know Christ, will you rest in his finished work and look at him for the healing that you have received. And long for him and run after him. There's nothing more beautiful than him. Nothing more worthy than him. That's our Lord and our Savior.